Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. Uh, here's Leonard Kim, and today I have a special guest on the line with us. His name's David Mack, but um, he might not be the David Mack that you're thinking of if you're thinking about the police officer. David, are you related to the police officer by any chance? <laughs> I am not related to the police officer. I am, <laughs> okay. I'm not the well, comic book guy either. So. <laughs> you're not a comic book guy? Okay, what David Mack are you? Give, give, the moment of world, <clears throat> give the world a chance to really get to know you. Who are you? <laughs> Uh, I, I, I'm David Mack. I, I, uh, I live up in, in Seattle, Washington, and uh, I, I do. Uh, I have a, a construction company. I, I, I do contracting work. Oh, cool! So, yeah. what kind of led you down the path to uh, really get out there and kind of do construction? Uh, I have a background in it. Um, I started uh, started out doing wood carving, and, and, and when I was a kid, and moved into uh, cabinetry. I did custom cabinetry after I graduated high school, um, as well as uh, building houses. And when uh, I used to live in Los Angeles, I, uh, we, we built a, a music studio uh, and, and post-production facility. So oh, cool. I was able to learn sound design for rooms and, and how to... Uh, create mixing rooms and sound editorial rooms. Awesome. So <clears throat> you can kind of go into any kind of space and kind of like get it all detailed out for sound. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What kind of, kind of goes into that? Uh, there's a lot that goes into it. Um, you know, for example, uh, in, in a room where you're uh, recording uh, and, and in the mixing room, you don't want any, like flat surfaces or surfaces that that, uh, that face each other that are that are parallel to each other. Um, you have to uh, do a lot in regards to insulation for sound as well. Um, designing paneling uh, with materials that absorb uh, sound frequencies so that um, the that you get a, a true sound. Um, at when you when you build a sound room you also have it tuned uh, so that the uh, when, when you go to other sound rooms, the, uh, the process translates and you, uh, you're able to have a, a broiler plate product between facilities. Nice. So you did that for a while, and um, I'm assuming that you kind of worked in Hollywood at that time. Did you kind of meet like a lot of celebrities and stuff? We did, yeah. We we posted about uh, sixty uh, f- feature films, and we did, worked on some television shows. So we did have uh, some some uh, talent that came through uh, the studio. Nice. When you kind of think about the talent that walked through the studio, considering that this is a show on like personal branding and really going out there and growing your influence. What are some of the common things that you saw within a lot of celebrities that really stuck out about them? Well, it really, 
celebrities are individuals, and you know, as as with anybody, you're you're dealing with different individuals and different personalities all, all the time. Um, you know, you, you pr- approach each one differently. Cool. So, was there something and, and that they approach like... you differently as well? It just depends on who the client is. Some yeah. are more demanding than others. Some are less demanding. You know. Did you see anything that kind of like stuck out about these people that kind of like really made them successful in what they did? I think they all have a love for the the art of of, of acting. If when it, when it comes to you know uh, actors, when, you know if it comes to musicians, they have a love for music. Uh, they really enjoy what they do. So it's really a deep passion in regards to kind of what they're working on. I think the arts are a place that people put a lot of passion into their work. Yeah. Were there any kind of moments that really stuck out with a lot of the people that you kind of dealt with? Um, you know, I, just that, you know, some like to be left alone and some were very engaging. Uh, you know, just depending on, on who, who they were. Um, a lot of them very talented, obviously. Um, we, uh, you know, we got, we had some people like Ryan Reynolds come through. Uh, we worked on a, a, a movie with uh, Jet Li and Jackie Chan as well. Um, we, uh, we we had some musical acts like Rod Stewart in our studio. So, um, you know, it just all depend, depends on the person. Um, huh. So when it comes down to, like, personality traits, there's usually a wide spectrum of people who kind of end up really becoming successful? Mm-hmm. Huh. Interesting. Um, if, when you kind of look back on that time and you look at the commonalities behind the people, aside from passion, do you really see anything else that kind of sticks out? Work ethic. I mean, they put a lot of work into it. There, there's yeah. days where, where people will go into the studio and, and they could be there for, uh, you know, a few hours or they could be there all night long. Um, it, it, you know, especially on the music side, you know, guys will, Work long, long hours. So there's there's a lot lot of hard work that goes into the process. Yeah, a lot of people when they kind of look at people like um, that are extremely successful, they're like, oh, that person just got lucky or they just had a break. But you're finding that hard work is really a determining factor in regards to people really going out there and excelling in their careers. Absolutely. I mean, take take the ADR process for example, which is the automated dialogue replacement in film where, uh, say, a line uh, an actor uh, says on set that doesn't get picked up by the mics very well or there's some background noise, whatever it may be, or the director just doesn't like the way the actor delivered the, the, uh, the line, you go back into the studio and you re-record that and, and get, you know, get it exactly as the director wants. Sometimes that process can take 40, 50, 60 takes to get one line correct. Uh, so it's that type of detail that goes into a project and that, you know, works, you know, is, is very hard work for, you know, both the actor and the director to, to get the process right. Same thing with musical takes. You know, if there's a tone or a certain sound that they're, they're trying to achieve a certain vocal that they're trying to, to record there. There's going to be a, a hundred takes done of, of that process to, to 
to make make it just right. So there's a lot of detail. People are very detail oriented. Yeah. So it sounds like what they kind of do is they kind of go back into the process and they kind of go and fine tune it so they can really go out there and nail it at the very end. Correct. Yes. Oh, yeah. Lots of fine tuning. Yeah. So a lot of people that you kind of encounter, I guess what they're doing is they're just going back and repeating the same things over and over and over until they just get it down perfectly. And then you get to work with, you know, the people that I would consider the most talented are the musicians that, you know, can come into a studio and get stuff in one or two takes. And they don't have to do 100 takes to get the product you want. You get, you get to, you know, and there's actors that are that, are that way as well. That, you know, match the, the lips and the dialogue perfectly and change their tone and, you know, deliver for the director as well as the... Uh, the studio in regards to, you know, everything lining up, because when they re-record the ADR lines, the automated dialogue replacement, you know, lips have to match up, the timing has to match up. So a lot of people, when they kind of think about, like, matching things up, like, a lot of people will say it's almost next to impossible to kind of get things to line up that well. Some people are really talented enough where they could kind of, like, match and mimic exactly how it is. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think kind of goes into that? I think just time working the process, you know, for for an actor or a musician, it's just the time that they put into working on that talent. And then a good sense of of meter or rhythm, time. They have to have a good sense of time. Yeah, that's completely understandable. To, to hit the beats, you know, like like you know, in, in you know, in music, you play to a metronome. You know, there's a specific, you know, beat, specific time uh, to the music, and and it's kind of the same thing with film. There's you know, a specific beat, and there's certain you know, speech patterns that they have to hit. Some actors are better at it than others, uh, especially voiceover actors that are, you know, recording uh, to match the the lips of characters in cartoons or animated process. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like, I watched a lot of cartoons in my day, and watching how they kind of match up those voices so they kind of, like, get them spot on, that seems extremely difficult. Yeah, and it takes a special talent, you know, and and good voiceover actors are are very good at that. And and they're the type of people that, you know, could come into a studio and, you know, uh, get ADR out of the way really quickly because, because they, you know, get you know the the timing right and they also get what the director wants really quickly yeah that makes a lot of sense what's well, uh, robin williams was a great example of somebody that, that, that was very very good at you know at, at uh, voiceover as well as you know adr you know you come in and knock it out because what, what do you think was, was like the, the, it was a special talent you know besides oh. all his amazing <laughs> characters and voices and whatnot what, what do you think really made him uh, such a standout figure? His career in general. I mean, the, the great movies that he's done, the awards that he's won. Just had a, a stellar career. And he's done some great projects. Cool. Well, it's about time for us to like hop off to a commercial break. Uh, 
we'll be back after a short tune from the sponsors. Uh, you can always find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Sophia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Sophia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Want to improve your health, business, and life just by listening to a radio show? Well, we can at least move you in the right direction. Listen for Spotlight, the Allison H. Larson Show. Each week, Allison will speak with amazing guests and find out what's changed their lives and how they are changing the lives of others. From beauty to health to business and personal relationships, we're here to inspire you to live your life of passion. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers channel we don't follow we lead join us the voice america influencers channel this is grow your influence tree to reach leonard kim or his guest call into the program at 1-866-472-5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Leonard Kim here with David Mack. We've kind of talked a lot about like post-production and a lot of things that kind of went on in the Hollywood lifestyle when David used to work in post-production and was building out audio studios and things like that. So, David, you've kind of had a career where you kind of like moved all across the map and you've done a lot of different things in your life. Can you kind of describe like what your career journey and what kind of moved you into what you're doing now? Can you kind of talk through that whole entire journey and like walk us through exactly uh, what landed you into doing construction and things like that now? It broke up a little bit there. Can you, can you ask that, the question one more time? I'm sorry. Sure. So when we kind of look at your career path, we talked a little bit about how you were doing post-production for a while, how you're doing construction now, but there's a lot of other things that you've kind of walked through in your entire career. Do you want to kind of like talk about a few of the different things that you might have done and kind of shed some light on who you are? Uh, Yeah, I mean, uh, I I started when I I moved to Los Angeles about 22 years ago, and and I I started off in the restaurant business. Um, I I worked in the restaurant business for uh, eight years before uh, 
we, we started uh, Departure, um, which was the post-production studio. Um, I, when I was in the restaurant business, I even did a little bit of real estate appraisal, um, was out uh, measuring properties, taking comp pictures, and, and learning how to write uh, appraisals, which also you know, helped uh, with, with writing uh, construction and contracting, which is actually was quite helpful having that, that little bit of background in, in, in real estate appraisal. Um, just for the, the technical writing aspect. Um, so I, I worked for years in, in, in the restaurant business. I, I, uh, I started out uh, as, as a dishwasher when I first started in restaurants. I, I, I worked my way up to being a sous chef uh, in the back of the house. Um, then I, when I moved to Los Angeles, I, I started out in the front of the house. And I, I think uh, we... Uh, Somebody's calling into me right now. I apologize, if you guys, if there's any beeping. Um, but uh, we, uh, when I was in in the uh, front of the house doing management for for restaurants, uh, I also did a little bit of catering as well, and and, and uh, you know catered for, for some of our special clients and private uh, uh, events and whatnot, um, which was quite interesting. We got to, to work with some some neat folks doing that as well. Cool. So you yeah. kind of moved from the restaurant industry, and then you kind of moved into doing uh, departure and kind of living out that Hollywood life. Was that like a huge change in your uh, career and your lifestyle? Um. Yeah, you know, it, my my uh, older brother was a working actor, so I was around a bit of it before. You know, bit bit of the Hollywood lifestyle before I had. Uh, gotten out of the restaurant business and into the, the studio business. Huh. So <clears throat> it was kind of like a natural progression for you to kind of move into it? Yeah, it's breaking up again. I'm, I apologize. I, my this body all of a sudden. Say that one more time, please. So it was kind of like a natural progression for you to kind of deal in, uh, move into it? Um. It was it was kind of a natural progression. I mean, in, into the studio thing because we started out building it. So I was actually doing the con, you know construction side of things. I was actually physically physically building it. So uh, being that I had a background already in construction, cabinetry, you know, uh, and whatnot, I you know it was it was a fairly natural uh, progression into, into building the studio. Um, you know, for for uh, on the marketing side of things, you know, I, with the restaurants, I helped with some of the marketing type of stuff, and so I did that type of work for uh, the departure as well. Uh, I was I was helping market the company and doing business development and whatnot, which uh, you know related to the restaurant the restaurant business in certain ways. And I even actually, uh, the people I met in the restaurant business, connections I made through the restaurant business. I was able to procure work for the studio and and uh, business relationships. You know, a lot a lot of it's networking. Networking yeah. is such an important part of any aspect of business. Yeah, and then like for basically any kind of successful business to grow, <clears throat> like um, I, I really do see that there's a lot of value into like networking and going out there and meeting the right type of people. When you kind of look back on your career and all the networking that you did, what, what what do you think are some of the key pointers that kind of helped you really go and build out those relationships? The key points, honestly, de- developing a, a comfort with the, the person first. Uh, yeah. 
be, having having comfort in any relationship is, is very important because it leads to trust, and that's how you get work done sufficiently. Yeah, and a lot of people who are like really starting out in business and going out there and trying to network, finding that level of comfort is extremely difficult because a lot of people kind of look inwards and they're like, oh man, it's going to be so hard for me to kind of meet with this person. Got the jitters, I don't know what to do, this person's big and famous or things like that. What are some things that you've found to really help you kind of nail down that process? I don't know. I just, I've, I've never been someone to get like too starstruck. I, I just look at people as people. Um, you know, I, 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 being in that business, I think maybe you also just kind of become immune to it, to, to the, the, the star aspect when, when you see the folks all the time and you just, cause they don't want, like, you don't want to treat them like, like, you know, you're starstruck. In, in the studio. So you just, you try to just work with them, you know, in, in, if you're in a normal business atmosphere, meeting a normal yeah. business associate. Yeah. Do you think that like um, a lot of your work in the restaurant industry or kind of how you were like raised to grow up had an influence on you becoming a person who makes it, who finds it a lot more comfortable to really go out there and meet new people and talk to them? Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't really get stage fright, if that's what you mean. <laughs> or, 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 you know, it, it, get, get nervous, you know, meeting individuals. I, I, I really don't know. Do you think a lot of it that, came from your youth, or do you think it came from your career in the um, oh, <coughs> restaurant industry? Or where do you think work, it working in, the, in both the restaurant business and the, the post-production business. Cool. And, Just meeting so many people from from the the, the, the you know Hollywood business through both. I mean, yeah. in the restaurant business, we dealt with we, you know with some celebs for private parties. We you know uh, host the, uh, the 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 television shows after they would wrap. They'd come over and drink at the in restaurants all night, and we'd be dealing with both the talent and the producers and you know, the whole nine yards. Just, you know, at the end of the day, you kind of get to know the folks. Yeah. So kind of like when you look back on your time really working in the restaurant industry, do you think that helped you like really go out there and drive true connection with people and really get to know who they are? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um, what kind of like things did you kind of learn in that restaurant industry while you were working in there? I know a lot of people don't have that kind of restaurant experience and don't really get to fully experience what it's like to kind of work at either the front of the house or the back of the house and really know that industry. Just the importance of concise, clear communication. You know, efficient, clear communication. Oh. So, um, can you kind of, like, elaborate on that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, restaurants get really busy. So, you have to, and, and sometimes orders can be complicated. Especially if you know if you're dealing with folks that have allergies or you know only eat a certain way, um, when you have to amend things, so you you have to be you know uh, well planned, well organized, and because the restaurant's busy, things have to be done quickly. You have to be able to get out your information quickly in an organized fashion, such that the machine keeps running. Doesn't get clogged, you know, jammed up. 
Yeah, and then to kind of make sure that whole thing runs smoothly, do you think there was a lot of training that went on while you were in the restaurant industry that really kind of like helped let you <clears throat> learn those skills, or um, how do you think that kind of evolved? Um, no, I, I mean I think you kind of learn it hands on in the restaurant industry. You know, like, it's, like I said, I started out as a, a dishwasher, and then I worked my way. Um, you know, up to, to sous chef in, in the back of the house, which is the, the kitchen, right? Yeah. And, you know, so we learned back there, I, I you know, I, I learned how to prep everything. I learned, you know, how to take directions from the, 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 the line cooks and the sous chef. And then as I worked my way up to, to, to sous chef, yeah, I learned the organization at the back of the house and also receiving the orders from the servers and dealing with the management of the front of the house. So then in moving to the front of the house, you learn how to, you know, deal with the customers, take the information they're giving you, such as their orders or where they'd like to be seated, if they're smoking or non-smoking, all of that, getting people to their places efficiently. We're also overseeing that the, 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 the process of the front of the house is running efficiently and that bus tables are getting bus tables are getting turned over, tables are wiped down properly. Disseminating all that information to the staff as a manager and making sure that the, you know, everything's running smoothly and you have a well-oiled machine, it takes a lot, you know, a, a lot of concise communication. So basically you're kind of looking at all the different aspects of what's kind of going on and combining it together and filling out a detailed plan on how to kind of like let every single person know of exactly what's going on. Absolutely. And then in the re restaurant industry, you would have your inventory as well. So you'd have all, all of your wines that you had to account for, how many bottles were sold, so you know how many you have to reorder. You have all of that going on in the kitchen, which your kitchen managers or sous chefs handle, um, and get you the, 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 you know, get the orders in for food and all of that. But there's all the inventory and counting behind that, which, the, you know, the manager has to handle as well. And all of that type of stuff, because you're dealing with spreadsheets, you're dealing with, um, you know, uh, accounting processes and whatnot, all of that type of stuff really helps to translate to the post-production industry in regards to the checklist of everything that we needed to get done for deliverables to the, the, so we can deliver the, the, the sound elements or the picture elements for distribution, to, for distribution companies, so that they can be put up theatrically. So kind of when you're going through this entire process and doing all of this, I mean, for someone who is like brand new to the industry, what, what do you think really helped you like really get to figure out how to do all this so concisely and keep such a strong inventory and make sure things just happen like, like clockwork? I mean, honestly, it's learning hands-on, baptism by fire. Um, you know, you kind of got to go in, get your hands dirty, and you, and you got to and, and constantly be on top of that. You know, teaching so, yourself to be on top of it. I mean, some of the processes you're taught and you're walked through whenever you go into a new environment, they're going to, you know, hold your hand. But when we were building out the studio, a lot of those processes we had to, you know, um, teach ourselves. But some of those processes we, we were also taught. For example, when we were building out the studio and we learned sound design and, and, and how to build a room out, we had a, a gentleman uh, by the name of Vincent Van Hoff who worked with us. Uh, Vincent had designed many sound design rooms around town, like A&M Studios, where uh, Led Zeppelin recorded. He'd uh, you know, done the Village Recorder, which has you know, done you know, tons, tons of platinum albums and gold albums 
throughout the, the years. I mean, these are studios that have been in, in Hollywood for, you know, 40, 50 plus years. Um, you know, Vincent taught us how to, 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 to build stuff out. So, you know, a lot of the stuff we, we, we were taught by people that were professionals in the business um, that we'd worked with. So when you're kind of looking at like the professionals who work in the business and they have a lot of experience in doing these things, what do you think are the core insights to working with someone of a higher caliber? Do you think it's just insights that they have or is there a lot more that you kind of take away from them? Well, you have like, like in the, in the film business, you have to go out and, you know, if you're running a, a post studio, you have to go out and hire people that are, better at you, better than you at, at stuff. For, for example, your mixers. You, you can't go and hire a guy that's a mixer that just started out mixing. I mean, mixing is, is, is something that takes years to develop because it's, you know, they, they develop an ear in a certain way and they learn how to work with directors. You know, so those, are, you know, your mixers are guys that have been in the business for, you know, most likely at least five years to, you know, usually, you know, 15, 20 plus years be at that yeah. level of coming in and, and, and putting the, together all the, the, the sound elements for, for a film project. So I, I look at it, you really have to develop a good team to, to be around you. Um, and, and part of developing a good team is you have, you have to go out and, and sign some superstars. Sometimes, like, yeah. you know, you're comparing it to a sports team. You know, you're going to have yeah. to um, sign a Michael Jordan. Yeah, I like what you say about teams and going out there and building a lot of teams. <clears throat> now, I see that there's a lot of people in the world when they're kind of operating a business, they're usually a solo, solo founder or they're just working with a few people and they're scared to kind of go out there and bring on people who are better at them in different areas. Um, what, what are this, <clears throat> some of the things that you see within a core leader that kind of helps them go out there and develop and actually build out these successful kinds of teams? Uh, I, I think to develop a, su a successful team, you have to uh, interview people well, and you have to be also a good listener to uh, hear where they're coming from and, and understand if they're a fit for your process. I, I think you cool. have to do uh, your due diligence. You have to look at who people are, what they've done, what their reputation is, way, where they come from. Um, you know, who, who are you, who are you, what's their resume? Who are you getting into uh, to bed with? Yeah, uh, I kind of like what you say about that, like really getting to kind of know the people who are going out there and you're working with them. Like in the world of personal branding, I feel that it's all about exactly who that person is. And then you can feel that trust and that camaraderie when you really go out there and build a strong relationship. What do you think are some of the core things that, a person really has to have to really stick out as one of those core members where someone wants to kind of bring them on board onto their team. Uh, accountability, uh, for sure. Um, you need people that show up on time, reliability, uh, as well. Um, you know, people that can take tasks on, uh, you have to, you, you want people with, with, uh, level heads that, that are, that don't blow up people that are, that are, uh, uh-huh, tempered. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, it's and, about time and, and you for want people, people that, 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 that I've, you, you ultimately want people that, that are, that are nice and polite. Now in Hollywood, you know, you're, you're, you get, you get, 
you know, you, you're not always going to have a director that's nice and polite. You know what I mean? Some people are very demanding. So you're going to have to deal with that stuff, some of it. But you want to hire a team that, uh, you know, where people got thick skin as well, because you are going to have to deal with some of those types of personalities. They might start yelling in your, you know, environment. And how do you, how do you, you know, uh, let that roll off your shoulder? We want, you know, we, you want to look for people that can, you know, let stuff roll off their shoulder as well when, when it's, you know, cool. I guess we'll get more into like how to kind of deal with conflict management and resolutions right after this commercial break. Uh, we'll be hopping off to a commercial break. You can always find me on Twitter at Mr. Leonard Kim, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Voice America is available on your Google connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Get Unchained. Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Featuring nationally recognized, best selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer, Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel are you ready to move to your next level listen for empowering women transforming lives with host rebecca hall greider each show will focus on a central topic with discussion guests and your questions being featured our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement inspiration and practical steps to support them on their journey Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. And join us for a replay of the show on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Leonard Kim here with David Mack. 
Uh, we kind of talked in the last segment about a lot of the things that are essential when you kind of go out there and build a team, some of the core traits of really going out there and being a good leader. And we kind of left off at conflict management. So David kind of mentioned in the past segment a lot of the things where um, at times you could work with a difficult personality. And David's case with working in the Hollywood business, there were some directors and some producers who were – a little bit, I guess, more adamant and Doro about how they wanted things done and were kind of like a, a little bit more difficult personalities to kind of work with. Um, and we kind of mentioned client resolution and client <clears throat> and like um, conflict management a little bit. Uh, David, do you want to kind of touch upon more about like what to do to really go out there and be the type of person so you could really deal with these kinds of conflicts and how you could go and manage and resolve them? I think good conflict management is handled through solid communication um, and, and being able to, to keep a, a, a calm mind. Um, you know, oftentimes in conflict, there's a lot that has to get handled in, in, a, in, a, in a small amount of time to, to uh, keep the, you know, the, the, the process moving forward. And, you have to be able to identify the problems quickly, communicate to your team what needs to be done, and develop a game plan to uh, to resolve the issues. Um, and that takes uh, being level-headed and, and being able to speak clearly to people and get your message across so that you get the results back in a timely manner that you need. Uh, we face these issues a lot when we had uh, film festivals and we were working on projects that were going to the film festivals and everything gets pushed to the last minute. So you have a lot of elements that need to come together for the, the film to be ready to present at the film festival. If you missed your deadline, you don't, your film doesn't screen and there's a lot of people that are angry. Everybody from the uh, entire, you know, the staff and crew that didn't get their, their, their film showing to the investors in the project and, and whatnot. So, um, you know, delivering on time was very important and inevitably issues would come up uh, where you might maybe needed a, a sound recording uh, that you didn't have in your sound library to mix in. You have to go out and get that sound recording, get it back, delivered in time, mixed into the whole process. You'd have to coordinate through, you know, your, your sound editors to your um, sound designers to your mixers to, to uh, your, you know, uh, to all the, the assistants to help them, what needed to be done and, you know, bringing all the elements in to, to get to the, the mixer for that final mix and and then being able to, to set, coordinate it to be sent out for a print master and, then being able to uh, screen the, the, the project thereafter. So that sounds like a lot of moving parts. And then like when you have a client, let's say they're pushing back the deadlines and doing things at the very last minute, how do you kind of rally the troops together to get everyone to kind of hit those deadlines and make sure that you kind of do things on time? Because it seems that missing those deadlines would be completely detrimental. We, you, honestly, you, you have to you. You kind of pull your guys aside. You let them know what's going on. You let them know that, that, that it's going to be stressful that you're there with them. This is what has to get done. 
Um, and, and, and you reward, uh, reward them after the process. We, you know, whenever we go through a, something like that, we would, you know, we'd try to do something nice for the team afterwards or, yeah. What are some examples of things that you kind of did to like reward people? Oh, sometimes it would be money. Uh, you know, sometimes we, you know, we bring food and we buy everybody food, you know, where, where normally, you know, guys might go out and grab their lunch. It's a really busy time. We're bringing food into the studio. We're, um, you know, catering everything. And, um, you know, after the process is over, Hey, we all go out, go to a restaurant and, and, and grab, you know, drinks and food and whatnot. But we, we would provide up for all of that. Cool. And then yeah. um, you kind of mentioned, and, like, you know, just trying to trying to keep the team together, trying to keep people happy and keep the the, the energy positive, always very important. Anytime you're dealing with a stressful process. Yeah, I bet. And you kind of mentioned a little bit about these film festivals. I know a lot of people never really have the opportunity to kind of go out there and experience film festivals like um, at the level that you have. What are some of the film festivals that you kind of went to, and what are those experiences like? Um, I've been to a few different film festivals. I've been to uh, Sundance. I've been to the the Cannes Film Festival uh, in in France. I've been to um, the Tribeca uh, Film Festival in New York. Been to that. I've been to Toronto. Um, you know, all these film festivals are are really they're they're uh, markets as well. So all of the film buyers come into town. Um, and, and people are selling their projects to foreign distribution companies to go out and, and, and distribute the content, content internationally. So you have a business side and you have an artistic side to the film festivals. Um, the, uh, you know, the business side, you're meeting with producers, uh, you're meeting with uh, distributors, um, you're, you're lining up business on the business side. And then you're also watching, uh, going to screenings. Uh, you're, you're going to panels where uh, people are, you know, answering questions. Where they bring in the directors, they bring in some of the talent. Uh, people in the audience get to stand up and ask questions. Uh, you get to be involved with that aspect of filmmaking and really uh, getting to, to find out what kind of goes on behind the scenes. Uh, you know how that project was put together uh, from the the views of, of of the people that worked on the projects. Uh, you, you have the, 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 the nightlife aspect of film festivals as well, where everybody goes out to the after parties and goes to the events. And, you know, um, they bring in uh, musical talent to perform for uh, big sponsors. So you have all kinds of, of big sponsorship that comes in to, to handle the film festivals as well, that, that bring in millions of dollars to, uh, you know, bring in, you know, Drake for a, a night, you know, at, at a, a small venue where, you know, there's, you know, 500 people packed into a, a, a you know tiny place that uh, you know where you normally wouldn't get to see Drake in that type of uh, environment. You get to see him that way at the film festivals. Um, you know, if, if you go to the Cannes Film Festival, there's companies that will rent out an entire villa on top of a you know hill looking over the Mediterranean Sea, and the party goes all night. You know, you see the sun come up the next morning. It's, it's an interesting uh, lifestyle. So it's kind of like having one big party. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of like uh, you know uh, entertainment involved for sure, no doubt about it. Yeah, I bet. And then um, when you kind of think about like you working in the restaurant industry to being working in post production and working in Hollywood and going out to these film festivals, it's kind of a huge change in the lifestyle you were living, or not so much. Um. 
going from the restaurant industry into post-production? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, like you said, my, you know, uh, my, my brother was already, you know, he was down in Hollywood. He, he lived there. He, um, um, and, and he was a working actor and, and, and was in a signed band. So I'd, I'd been around quite a bit of it before I went into post-production um, and, and did the post-production. Yeah, now you're kind of working over in construction and you're building out houses and doing things like that. Do you see a bigger shift in your life and how things have changed? Because you're no longer living in Los Angeles. You're living in Seattle, too. Uh, a lot less a lot less traffic. Uh, <laughs> a lot less stress. Um, it, it, you know, it's definitely a little more laid back up here in, in the Pacific Northwest. What, what do you think that lifestyle change has kind of done to your life? Uh, I, I would say, I mean, yeah, I'm still me. <laughs> um, <laughs> do you think it's a lot I different? I haven't changed too much. Considering how much your lifestyle has changed over the last few years, do you think it's like a big difference considering that you're kind of like back out into a slower paced lifestyle or uh, what do you think has kind of been the big um, determining factors? In, in, into a what paced lifestyle? Into a more relaxed um, lifestyle where you're not working as much and you're kind of outside of that high. Oh, I, I, work, I work all the time, um, but I... I, so I wouldn't say I'm working less per se. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's just, uh, what do you say? There's not quite as much traffic and, um, it just, just, just seems a little more laid back. Just, I feel maybe a little more relaxed up here. Cool. So what do you kind of spend your free time nowadays doing? Working. <laughs> really working. <laughs> Um, so a lot of people who are kind of tuning in this show are looking for like tips and advice to really go out there and make it successful in their lives. What would you say are the top three pointers that you have for people? Um, don't, you know, get up early, be on time and, uh, and always be willing to put in, you know, 12 hours a day. Yeah, a lot of people kind of want that work-life balance where they could go out there and spend time with their families and that 12 hours might be a little bit pushing it for people. What What do you think is the best things for people to really go out there and find that continued work ethic? Um, you know, stay uh, happy in your in your mind. Keep your, keep your mind happy. You know, if you're doing too much to stay focused you probably need to take a step back. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the show and sharing all of your insights with us today, David Mack. It's a really a pleasure to be able to speak with you and share your insights with all the listeners over here at Grow Your Influence Tree. Uh, tune in for with us next week so you can visit for us for another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. If you want to find me online, you can find me at Twitter at Mr. Leonard Kim. You can email me at hello at Mr. Le- uh, hello at LeonardKim.com. And we'll be seeing you all next week. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.